0: chapter eighteen of work and win noddy newman on a cruise by oliver optic this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighteen the beautiful island there molly what do you think now exclaimed the youthful engineer as he made fast the painter of the boat to a ring in the deck of the schooner you have worked very hard noddy but you have succeeded you must be very tired i am tired for i have done a hard day's work you ought to rest now i think i will we are in no hurry for we are very comfortable here and storms don't come very often it was late in the afternoon when the work of getting out the boat was finished noddy had labored very hard and he was perfectly willing to rest during the remainder of the day molly made some tea and they had supper at an early hour it was a remarkably pleasant day and the air was as soft and balmy as a poet's dream both the young workers were very much fatigued and they sat upon the deck till dark where is my father now asked molly as she cast a nervous glance towards the beautiful island which they hoped to reach on the following day where is he repeated noddy surprised at the question and not knowing what she meant i mean his remains in his state-room answered noddy very reluctant to have the subject considered will you do one more thing for me noddy demanded she earnestly and impressively certainly i will molly it shall be the last thing i shall ask you to do for me Don't say that, for I've always been ready to do everything you wished me to do. I know you have, Noddy, and you work so hard that I don't feel like asking you to do any extra labor. I will do anything you wish, Molly. You needn't be afraid to ask me either. If you knew how much pleasure it gives me to work for you, I'm sure you would keep me busy all the time. I don't wish to wear you out, and you may think. This is useless work I'm sure I shall not if you want it done if you knew how sad it makes me feel to think of my poor father lying in the water there you would understand me added she bursting into tears I know what you mean Molly and it shall be done the first thing tomorrow thank you Noddy. you are so good and so kind I hope I shall see miss Bertha sometime and tell her what you have done for me continued she wiping away her tears they retired to the forecastle soon after dark and when molly had said her simple prayer for both of them they lay down in the bunks and were soon asleep noddy's first work the next morning was to rig a mast and sail for the longboat. in this labor he was assisted by molly who sewed diligently on the sail all the forenoon while she was thus engaged noddy without telling her what he was going to do went into the cabin carrying a boat-hook and with a feeling of awe amounting almost to superstitious terror proceeded to fish up the body of captain mcclintock he knew just where it lay and had no difficulty in accomplishing the task he dragged the remains out into the cabin and floated the corpse in the water to the foot of the ladder it was an awful duty for him to perform and when he saw the ghastly bloated face he was disposed to flee in terror from the spot Noddy was strong for his years or he could not have placed the body on the locker out of the reach of the water he prepared the remains for burial precisely as those of mr watts had been The most difficult part of the task was yet to be performed, to get the corpse on deck and lower it into the boat. He procured a long box in the hold, from which he removed the merchandise, and found that it would answer the purpose of a coffin. By much hard lifting and by resorting to various expedients, he placed the remains in the box and nailed down the lid. He felt easier now for the face of the corpse no longer glared at him when he had bent on the sail and shipped the rudder he contrived to set molly at work in the forecastle where she could not see what he was doing for he thought his work must be revolting to her feelings especially as it would be very clumsily performed having put a sling on the box he rigged a purchase and hoisted it out of the cabin then with suitable rigging He lowered it into the boat, placing it across the thwarts amidships. Come, Molly, said he, in a gentle, subdued tone, at the forescuttle. What noddy? asked she, impressed by his voice, and by his manner as she came up from below. We will go on shore now. Today? Yes, but we will return. The boat is ready. And i have done what you asked me to do what your father she was awed by his manner and did not readily understand what he meant he pointed to the long box in the boat and she comprehended the loving labor he had performed she did not inquire how he had accomplished the task and did not think of the difficulties which attended it noddy did not allude to them i am ready noddy can you get me the prayer-book said she her eyes filling with tears as she prepared to perform the pious duty which the exigencies of the occasion required of her the book was fortunately on a shelf to which the water had not risen and he brought it up and gave it to her he had before placed a pick and shovel an axe a couple of boards and some cords in the boat he helped her to a seat in the stern-sheets and shoved off there was hardly a breath of wind and noddy sculled the boat towards an opening in the reef which was of coral and surrounded the island the afflicted daughter gazed in silent grief at the box and did not speak a word till the boat entered a little inlet which noddy had chosen as a landing-place he stepped on shore and secured the boat to a bush which grew on the bank molly followed him in silence and selected a place for the grave it was at the foot of a cocoa-palm the spot was as beautiful as the heart could desire for such a holy purpose and noddy commenced his work the soil was light and loose and after much severe labor he made a grave about three feet deep It would be impossible for him to lower the box into the grave and from one end he dug out an inclined plane down which he could roll the corpse to its final resting place it required all his skill strength and ingenuity to disembark the box but this was finally accomplished with such assistance as the weeping daughter could render the rude coffin was then moved on rollers to the foot of the tree and deposited in the grave molly opened the book to the funeral prayer and handed it to her companion severe as the labor he had performed had been he regarded this as far more trying he could not refuse when he saw the poor girl weeping as though her heart would break kneel down at the head of the grave fortunately He had read this prayer many times since it had been used at the obsequies of mr watts and it was familiar to him awed and impressed by the solemn task imposed upon him he read the prayer in trembling husky tones but he was more earnest and sincere than many who read the same service in christian lands it touched his own heart and again the good father seemed to be very near to him the reading was finished and the loving girl not content with what had been done gathered wild flowers rich and luxuriant in that sunny clime and showered them as a tribute of affection on the rough coffin noddy filled up the trench first and then amid the sobs of the poor child covered all that remained of her father with what art he possessed he arranged the green sods as he had seen them in the graveyard at whitestone molly covered the spot with flowers and then seemed loath to leave the grave from the beginning noddy had trembled lest she should ask to look once more on the face of the departed he had been horrified at the sight himself and he knew that the distorted visage would haunt her dreams if she was permitted to gaze upon it but she did not ask to take that last look though she said nothing about it she seemed to feel instinctively that the face was not that she had loved which had smiled upon her and which was still present in her remembrance come molly it is almost dark and we must go now said he tenderly when he had waited some time for her i am ready Noddy." And you cannot tell how much better i feel now that my poor father sleeps in a grave on the land on the beautiful island replied she as she followed him to the boat you have been very kind to do what you have it has cost you a whole day's labor it is the best day's work i have done molly if it makes you feel better replied noddy as he hoisted the sail they did not reach the wreck till it was quite dark for the wind was light molly was more cheerful than she had been since the vessel struck she had performed a religious duty which was very consoling to her feelings in her affliction and noddy hoped that even her sadness would wear away amid the active employments which would be required of her in the morning noddy loaded the boat with provisions and such useful articles as they would need most on the island and in the middle of the forenoon they again sailed for the land they entered the little inlet and moored the boat in a convenient place for it was decided that they should explore the island before the goods were landed we are real the robinson crusoe's now noddy said molly as they stepped on shore who's he she told him who crusoe was and some of the main features of his residence on the lonely island she was surprised to learn that he had never read the story but we have everything we can possibly need while crusoe had scarcely anything we have provisions enough in the vessel to last us a year added she we shall do very well i don't think we shall have to stay here long there are whale ships in all parts of the south seas and if they don't come to us we can go to them for we have a first-rate boat they walked up the hill which rose from the little plain by the seaside, where they found a small tableland. But it did not take them long to explore the island, for it was hardly a mile in diameter. Portions of it were covered with trees whose shape and foliage were new and strange to the visitors. No inhabitants dwelt in this little paradise, but the reason was soon apparent to Noddy, for when Molly was thirsty, their search for water was unavailing. There was none on the island. This was an appalling discovery, and Noddy began to consider the situation of the water casks on board the wreck. They returned to the boat, and having selected a suitable spot, the goods were landed and carefully secured under a sailcloth brought off for the purpose. For two weeks, noddy labored diligently in bringing off the most serviceable goods from the wreck he had constructed a tent on shore and they made their home on the island for the present there was nothing but hard work for a storm might come and break up the scooter noddy rigged a series of pulleys which enabled him to handle the water casks with ease other heavy articles were managed in the same way farther up the inlet than his first landing-place he found a tree near the shore to which he attached his ropes and blocks to hoist the barrels out of the boat we are sorry that our space does not permit a minute description of these contrivances for many of them were very ingenious the labor was hard and the progress often very slow but noddy enjoyed the fruit of his expedients and was happy in each new triumph he achieved he had found a joy in work which did not exist in play now molly we must build a house said he when he had brought off sufficient supplies from the wreck do you think you can make a house Noddy? i know i can well i suppose you can i think you can do anything you try to do i have brought off all the boards i could get out of the wreck and i am sure i can build a very nice house the work was immediately commenced near the spot selected for the mansion of the exiles there was a grove of small trees the wood was light and soft and noddy found that he could fell the trees with his sharp hatchet quickly and easily four posts with a crotch in the top of each were set in the ground forming the corners of the house the frame was secured with nails and with ropes the sides and the roof were then covered with the hibiscus from the grove noddy worked like a hero at his task and Molly watched him with the most intense interest for he would not permit her to perform any of the hard labor the frame was up and covered but the house was like a sieve it was the intention of the master builder to cover the roof with tough sods and plaster up the crevices in the sides with mud but molly thought the fore-topsail of the schooner would be better than sods and mud though it was not half so romantic they had whole casks of nails small and large and the sail was finely chosen and securely nailed upon the roof and sides a floor was made of the boards and the house banked up so as to turn the water away from it when it rained two rooms one for each of the exiles were partitioned off with sailcloth a bunk was made in each which was supplied with a berth sack and bedclothes from the schooner besides these two rooms there was one apartment for general purposes this important work occupied three weeks but it was perfectly luxurious when completed end of chapter 18 recording by scarlet louisiana